um, you know, I, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart in worship. And I just want to exhort us with this before I begin the, the thought this morning. But I felt like the Lord said, if you will fan the flame of personal devotion, you'll see my fullness. If you'll fan the flame of pursuit in personal devotion, you'll see my fullness. I want to really encourage us that in our time away from here, that pursuit of presence becomes a priority of life. That personal devotion is just not just a necessity in life, but it's actually an, an honor we get to live from of pursuing the king. Not even pursuing the king because he's already found you, but it's just this place of, of growing deeper in intimacy with him. And Today was just beautiful in worship. It was like, man, everybody was just engaging and like just the presence of the Holy Spirit was just wonderful. And I think, man, what would our place look like as, as we grow with individuals and presence and anointing and we gather as a body on Sunday and we just live out of this place of just pure devotion before the Lord. We, we just come in with this heart of, of worship. What would the Lord do? How I many you know he, he's wanting to do it already? He, he's just looking for a body to do it through. Okay, it's quiet. It's okay. So anyway, uh, so you have your Bibles. I want to start and um, go ahead and turn to Genesis 1. Hey, son. <laughs> um, I want to do something. I, I did this a few years back. I uh, did it really fast. I want to really begin to revisit what I believe biblical community looks like. Um, it's an interesting thought to realize that when God made Adam, Adam was perfect. Adam had no flaw. He was without sin. He, he was a perfect being. And yet in his perfection, God said, it's not good that man be alone. I think maybe we, we might kind of fly by that to realize that, that, that Adam didn't have issues. Adam was as much like God as he was ever going to be. And even as being like God, God still said, it's not good that you're below. And, and really the truth of the matter is this, is that you and I really are made to do life together. We, we actually need one another. It, it's interesting to realize that, that when Paul describes spiritual gifts, he uses the analogy of the body. Just think what happens if my finger is cut off this morning from my hand. My finger cannot live. It will die. Why? Because it's not connected to the body. And honestly, if we're ever going to really flourish in the kingdom, you can't do it by yourself. Even my pastor, Lynn, who's coming in February, always would say this. He says, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. But it's true. We need one another. We were made to engage one another. It, it's interesting, when God said it's not good for men to be alone, that word alone in the Hebrew means um, separation by a part of the body. That's a unique meaning. That Adam was separated from the body. 
and we see this thought about being together. Um, the Bible says, we won't turn there, but how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It says two are better than one, for if one fall, the other will help them up. Jesus, when he was sending them out, he sent out by two. In community, we even see the power of synergy. What do you mean? One will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand. So there's this even this synergy released about being able to accomplish things together. That while Lee could take his vision and run it by himself and do great things, let's see, he's a better analogy. Let's use a better. Before Leah and Josh joined his business, Lee was busy. And I thought when Lee, I mean, when Josh and Leah joined, Lee would have more free time. What happened? He got more busy. I'm like, Lee, can you have lunch? No, Paul, I'm busy. Lee, don't you love me? No, I don't love you, Paul. Something about bringing somebody on board to facilitate his vision actually made him more busy. It actually gave him the way to make his business grow and to expand to be a blessing to his family. So in the kingdom, when we actually begin to run with people together, it actually has a way to expand what God wants to do within us and for us. Does that make sense? So that's why we need community. When we think of community, and I want to use the word community and family as interchangeable words this morning, okay? But community really comes from two words, common unity. And in the book of Acts, they had common unity. And they sowed everything they had to be a blessing to somebody else. Listen, in the early church, there was no lack. There was no poverty. And that was in the infancy stages. Why? Because they were common. This This community of being in Christ... And being so transformed by the love of Christ that they said, I have extra land, I'll sell it, I'll give it to the church. Why? So I can be a blessing. That's the power of community. And so what I want to do this morning is begin to really dive in about uh, community. So if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, and we'll pick up in verse 26. And I say this every time, and I mean this, I'm going to try to go really slow and be very methodical. And stay in first gear. My mouth, that is, anyway. Verse 26. We showed this last week just a little bit, but I want to just use this as a foundation to pick up on. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule the fish of the sea over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we notice this. This is God's foundation of family. So whenever we see family in the Bible, from here on out, this is the standard for what family should look like. That's really good for you ladies because God called Adam and Eve to subdue the earth, not just Adam. And I want to say to the women in the church, you have a voice in this house. Okay, that was quiet, ladies. Your voice has value in this house. It does. Women are not less than men. Women are equal with men in God's original intent. So it would help you to understand that because 
when you read those verses like in 1 Corinthians 14, let your women be silent, you can actually understand what he's saying there by just studying the text. These were new believers. These were not seasoned believers. He wasn't saying women can't talk because if you go back to chapter 11, he gives instructions for how women are to prophesy. If he gives instructions for women how to prophesy, then they can't be silent because you have to prophesy through your speech. So he's not saying women can't talk in the church. Just a little thought there. I want to throw that out at you. So he, he, he calls a man and a woman to fulfill this commission. So what's interesting is this, is that God's vehicle for transformation in the earth is the church. It is the ecclesia. It is the ruling body. And the church is governed through fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So in order for the church to be fully effective, it has to be rooted from a position of family. If church is to be impactful, if church is to do what it's called to do, it has to be a family. This is why we've added the community nights, guys, to help us grow in our community with one another. That was sort of March. If you wasn't here last Sunday, I'll explain that later on. But nights have come together at somebody's house over a meal, having a time of prayer together to build community. You know where I got that from? The Bible. The Bible is really good inside on how to just do things. Because when the early church was formed, that's what they did. They would go to house to house and have a meal and have prayer. And so what would Freedom Point look like if it actually became one big family? Amen? Think about this. While salvation is a personal experience, you're born into a family. So while your salvation was an individual experience, you were actually born into a family. So I believe the family becomes a picture of the kingdom. And then as our families gather together, my family, Lee's family, Mark's family, all of us, we become a bigger collective family. And then as we gather with other churches in the area, we have a much more bigger family. Listen, other churches are not our enemy. The Baptists are not our enemies. The Assembly of God are not our enemies. The Church of God are not our enemies. They are brothers and sisters. And while we may have differences of doctrine, we believe the essentials of you must believe in Jesus. I realize that might be hard to work together with some people like that, but I'm telling you, there are people in other denominations who, are, who will lay aside doctrine for family. But you got to find them. So I'm not saying we're going to run with everybody, but I have a, a vision of, like, man, how can we join with other churches, network with other churches to transform our region and our state? And we've got to do it through family. So family is beautiful. Family is healthy. You know, something that Rachel struggled with for a long time with me was, uh, was having friends in my life who were actually closer with me than my own family members. And she said, I don't understand how like, they're not blood. And to me, I said, they, they are blood. But Andrew Suarez, he is my brother from another mother. He is more, we are more connected than I am with my uncles and aunts and my family. It's not because we haven't tried, it's just it's one of those things. And so I'm telling you, you don't have to have the same last name or the same DNA to be family. Family goes beyond your DNA and your blood. 
with Abner, you just you stewarded that time together. So I'm going to text, hey, hey, man, just a bunch of day. Phone call once a month, maybe, I don't know. I don't have you. You just kind of begin to develop the relationship. To really now, he is, he, he is family. And we don't possess, I mean, I, I, don't tell him, I know I'm better looking than he is. Angela Vaughn. Wow. That hurt. I need, I need some emotional healing now. But what, I, what, I, what I've noticed in life is this, is that there have been people in life who through relationship with have actually become family to me. So I want us maybe in this room say, well, they're not my real family. No, listen, we have the same father. At the end of the day, we have the same father God. So Ethan, you're my family. Abby is my family. Julie is my family. Steve is my family. You're, you're my family. So the beauty of growing this thing together and living as family. And, and listen, in family, you know what, guys? We're going to have disagreements. We're going to have discussions. We're going to have things we don't agree with. Wednesday night was a good example. By the way, Wednesday nights we have a great Bible study. We'll pick up on Ephesians 2 this Wednesday at 630. In family, you're going to have disagreements. And you know what? It's okay. It is. It's okay. I actually love to start this part with people. To get them to think. I want, I want to just challenge your thinking at times. Not that I'm always right, but just know that and, and even if there's going to be those moments of like, well, I don't agree with that. Well, you, that don't mean you got to leave the family. It doesn't. Because even in here, I'm going to say things that you're not going to agree with. I have said things that Lee don't agree with. Lee has said things that I don't agree with. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, okay? Just want to put that out there. Because I, I think people think, I think people think unity means no Difference. You can walk in. Unity does not mean conformity. You can gather around what you, you can gather around what you believe in and still have a difference of opinion. And it doesn't make the, any person any less important. Let's just let's just throw that one out there. Listen, let me just throw this out there as well. I think going back to family before we move on. You see such an attack on the family, do we not? Such an attack, fathers leaving, moms leaving, even with, even with abortion, homosexuality, you see those things trying to eradicate the family. And guys, those aren't new concepts. I mean, we see in Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah and had the wickedness of that city. We see in Mo, uh, Moses, <laughs> yeah, uh, Exodus, Pharaoh wanting to Wipe out the kids. That is a picture of abortion right there. So you see how that the enemy is always attacking God's heart. God's heart is family. Enemy's heart is to destroy family. Okay. So let's begin to dive into these thoughts of community. Oh, one more thought. Something that I felt like the Lord said I feel like the Lord said this about community and why it needs to be a family. The reason it needs to be a family is this. It's because my heart, Lee's heart, has always been to not just have a church where we gather people, but we actually raise up and release people. Like, we know that some of you guys will be here forever, and that's cool, but 
my heart is as people come in this place, they get equipped and they get released. And they might go up for a season. They might go up for a life. You know, when, when I left home, I'm still mom and dad's son. I still have a key to the house. You can tell. I eat good. But the danger is this, is if we don't have family develop and you release people, you don't release them daughters, you'll actually release orphans. And instead of living from grace and doing things from grace, they'll do things by their own hand. Just like Eve, after Eve fell, before she fell, she thought if she could eat of the tree, she'd become like God. Eve was trying to get through performance what was already, what was already hers by grace. And when you have an orphan mentality in your life, you will try to get by your own works what was only freely available to you through grace. That's why we have to develop family so we release sons and daughters, not orphan spirits. Make sense? Okay, good. Don't be a yes man. If you don't get it, say, I don't get it. We'll talk about it later on. All right, number one, Genesis 2, verse 5. The first characteristic about community is a place that partners with heaven. Now, no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and, 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 there was no man to cultivate the ground. Let's read it again. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. In other words, Adam had a place of helping heaven produce its purpose in the earth. That's what it just says there. And so we have to understand this, that there are things that God wants to release in our region. But God will not release it into a region until there's a people there who can partner with it. Okay? That's why Jesus starts to pray, if we just don't it. Pray it this way, on earth as in heaven. In other words, that the reality of heaven will come into the earth. And the only way that reality will come into the earth is when God has the people in place to partner with it. Make sense? So we have the, we have the amazing responsibility to partner with heaven. Sometimes that can look as simple as this. Sometimes partnering with heaven can be as simple as interceding for your city or your region. There's a lot of ways we can partner with heaven. That's what I want to give you. One of the ways we can do it is through intercession. We talked about Sodom a while ago. Most people think that God destroyed Sodom because they was exceedingly wicked. And let's, make, let's be clear, Sodom was exceedingly wicked. But if you go back to chapter 18 of Genesis, God and Abraham have a discussion. And Abraham says, God, if you'll find 50 righteous in the city, we spare it. He goes, I will. Abraham takes a little bit bigger step. Hey, God, if you, if you found 45, will you spare the city? I spit for 45. Hey, God, if you'll, if you'll find 40. Abraham gets him down to 10 people. And God says to Abraham, if there are 10 people that's righteous, I will spare the city. Well, we know what happens. The city was destroyed. We have to understand this. Sodom was not destroyed because it was exceedingly wicked. It was destroyed because it lacked righteousness. What was Abraham doing? He was partnering with God. God, if you'll find these 10 people, we can save the city. I believe the church has been the saving effects of America because we've been righteous. We have spared 
the United States. I believe that's what God's doing. And I believe we have so many ways to partner with God. This morning, as I was, as I was praying, this verse came to my head. Unless the Lord build a house, they who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it in other words, you can build something that God was not part of. And the challenge for us, for us is this, is not doing good things, but doing God things. One of the words the Lord really began to rebuke me on in the end of 2018 was, uh, Paul, you did a lot of good things, they just want God things. That, that felt really good, God. But it really is true. So part of a challenge for our church is this, is to not do things because there's something there to be done. A lot of churches do things because there's a need there, but did God direct you to fulfill that need? Well, we should give money to this person because they're doing this, okay? Did, did God say to do that, or did you just say to do that because that's what you think we should do? And so we have to make sure that in this season of Freedom Point, is that everything we do is under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So as a leadership team, as a financial board, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to do today? Because if we do it in ourselves, guess what? We'll build it, but it won't have any fruit with it. But when the Lord builds the house, it lasts forever. And so I want to make sure in our community of believers that what is being built is what God is building. And we just get to be like Nehemiah. We get to be his vessel in there to help build what he wants to build in the region, guys. Thought number two. Look at verse eight. It's a place marked by presence. Now, I'm going to mess with you for just a few minutes with this one, so don't get your stones down and hit me with them. Verse eight. Then the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed, out of the ground, the Lord God calls to grow every tree that is pleasing for his sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. So let's, let's get a picture here. Eden, or let me say it this way, the garden was in the east of Eden. In other words, Eden was a place that had a garden in it. And I believe Eden is heaven on earth. Why, why would God make a place that was not like heaven? Can you prove it, Paul? I, I, can, I can almost prove this point to you. When, when the Bible talks about Eden, let me give you two thoughts here. And don't turn there. But Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, I know a man... Whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. God knows. Was called up to paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. And then John writes this in Revelation 2. He who has an ear to hear, let him, let him hear what the Spirit is saying in the church. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Interesting. The word paradise there in both uh, uh, scriptures means Eden. So Eden was heaven on earth. It was a place marked by presence. It was a place for the presence of God flowed. What's interesting is this, is that this river flowed into Eden. And when it got into the, to the place where Adam and Eve were, it became four heads, four rivers. 
Why is it interesting? Because your heart has four chambers. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Heaven through heaven invades you through your spirit and flows out of you. The heart is a picture at times of the spirit. And so here's this place where Adam and Eve were that was just, it, I believe, honestly, Eden was heaven on earth. How do you explain God walking in the cool of day with Adam? I'm just throwing it out there. I, I, here, here's something that Lee did a really good job of it for us as well. I think some of us think, here's, here's earth and here's heaven. I almost suggest that heaven and earth are a lot closer than what we think. And before the fall, I believe they were one and the same. I, I can't prove that to you. Honestly, that's just my, this is PMT. This is Paul Metcalf theology. That's a joke. But they were a lot more together. And, and again, we have this idea that we're, I'm here and God's way out there. No, I'm here and God's here. Because God's in me. It's, it's interesting. Um, Another scripture, Ezekiel 28. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, the emerald, and the gold, and the workmanship of your settings and your circuits was in you. On the day that you were created and they were prepared, you were the anointed cherubim who covers, and I place you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the sun star. Everything he just mentioned there was found in heaven. The barrel, the onyx, those things were found. When, when John describes heaven, the gate, the city of heaven, he names those same, or most of the same stones, guys. And so here's what I, I this may be trying to, I'm not trying to bore you, but anyway, what I'm saying is, is that in our community, it should be marked by the atmosphere of heaven. That's what I want you to get across, is that when we meet, heaven should invade the room. What happened this morning? Heaven invaded the room. I mean, when heaven invades the room, nothing is impossible. And so creating this place of making a place for heaven to come. That's why I had Sean go in that song. Sean, would you please in that song? Because I knew, it was, I knew it was like a prophetic declaration this morning. Let heaven come. Why? Because we're going to create a place in here. When people come in here, they're going to say, heaven is in this place. And by us creating a place to host heaven, we will transform this region. Because the only thing that's going to transform this region it will be heaven itself. The atmosphere of heaven coming through his people, guys. Um, but I think of the assignment he's given to us. The, the assignment, because here's the thing, and Lee said already a number of times before, when, before he transitioned, if we go, he'll get somebody else. See, this is the thing about prophecy. The word of God never returns void. So, for example, God raised up Moses to deliver Israel out of Egypt and to lead them into the promised land. And Moses led them out of Egypt, but he did not lead them to the promised land. But Israel still went in. Why? Because God said they would. So even though the vessel changed, the prophetic word never changed. So God's dream for this region is never going to change. 
the, the, the thing is this, will we just partner with it? Or will we eventually just stay so inward focused that God says, I'm done with you, let me wipe you out of the slate and raise up somebody else? I remember hearing Ron Harbunke say years ago, he, he asked God, he says, God, why did you choose me to go to Africa? He goes, I didn't choose you. He goes, you were not my first choice. He said, uh, okay, God, why was, your, why was I your second choice? He goes, you weren't my second choice either. So the word of God for a region is going to happen. The question is for us is, is where we partner with it. Will we become heaven's conduit? Will we become the people that let the reality of heaven flow through us? Okay. I would, I would encourage you to say, yes, we will, Paul, just then, but that's okay. Listen, I, I love what Bill Johnson says. Bill Johnson says this, it is illegal to ask for the fruit of the early church while valuing a book they did not have over a spirit they did have. Say that again. It is illegal to ask for the fruit of the early church while valuing a book they did not have over a spirit they did have. In other words, the, the church in America puts more value on the book than the spirit. They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have the Bible. And yet, they turned Jerusalem upside down. They walked in signs, wonders, and miracles. Wherever they went, the presence of God invaded a place. Why? Because of the Spirit of God. And we are not saying the Scriptures are not important. The Scriptures are vitally important. We need the Scriptures. But Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of my mouth. So God always has a preceding word. And that preceding word will always align with this word. But to say this is all we need is foolishness. Guys. And so we cannot value our, our programs. Over, you know, hey, what's the church growth program going to be? Uh, Holy Spirit led? We know they do it this way. Yeah, but is that really growth or just people leaving their church because they got offended and came to some other church? I'm telling you, you look at statistics in the, in the Alabama churches and the American church, no church is growing. It's all recirculated. Now listen, Stephen and Julie did not get offended. They moved down from Indiana. That's different. <laughs> if you guys got offended, that's a long drive, baby. <laughs> I got offended, so I'm going to go to Alabama. But I think most of what we call church growth in America it's people who get offended and they leave their church and they go to another church or they go to another church because they have better programs. They have cool light shows and they have fall machines. And I'm not against that, guys. We have lights that don't use them. I'm not knocking it. But just like, you know, Peter and John didn't have light machines and fall machines going. They had the Holy Spirit. They demonstrated the Holy Spirit. They preached with boldness and conviction by the Holy Spirit. And I, I just think what we need in the charismatic church is to return to the Holy Spirit. Well, we are on fire by the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit has his reign in our lives. Where well, he is the one in charge and not ourselves. Do you not know you have been bought with a price? That's what Paul writes, referring to the Holy Spirit, that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and that you were bought with a price and that you are not your own. 
I, I wish we could just, I said this before, brand that on my head. So when I look in the mirror every day, I say, I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. I think about these equipping us and empowering people who will walk out of this building so changed by the presence of the Holy Spirit that they will become conduits of the kingdom of God wherever they go. That their region, their home, their church will never look the same again. Just, guys, my heart is for revival, the glory, the presence of God, the power of God. Everything he died for, I want to experience now. Just follow. <laughs> All right, we'll do one more because it's 12.05. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 15. Characteristic number three. It's a place of teaching or importation. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day you eat from it, you will die. You will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The, Lord, the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up his flesh at the place. The Lord God fashioned to a woman the rib in which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Now, what's the point in saying all this? Is that this? Is that if you notice in verse 16 and 17, God gave Adam instructions concerning the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And then God made Eve. So, how does Eve know in chapter 3 what God said? She doesn't, unless Adam teaches her. Adam taught Eve what God said about the tree. So community is a place where we partner with heaven, where we experience presence. But guys, it's also a place where we have sound biblical teaching. Because when you have, when you have experiences and presence of power without biblical teaching, you get ungrounded really fast. The scripture keeps you in check. The scripture is uh, your compass. So I always... So, again, with prophetic words, when we get prophetic words, do they line up with Scripture? Prophetic words will never violate Scripture. They will always fall in line with Scripture. So that's why we need the teaching. And so Adam teaches Eve the rules. Now, the Bible says this, and that's two. Don't turn there. So then those who have received his words were baptized. Talking about Peter on the day of Pentecost. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
So we see that the new believers were devoting themselves to the Word of God. Why is that important? Because you see these new believers in Acts 2 who were new converts in Acts 8 living out as revivalists. What do you mean, Paul? Acts, say it again. I mentioned it last week. Read it. It's a great chapter. In Acts 8, persecution has come to church. There's a great amount of persecution. They have now fled to Judea and Samaria, which is interesting. Acts 1, 8, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And the only reason they went to Judea and Samaria was because of persecution. That's the reason they went. So it's a shame that persecution became the motivator, not presence. So anyway, so in Acts 8, there they are. And the apostles, according to Acts 8, are still in Jerusalem. So the apostles who taught them the things of God remained in Jerusalem while the new converts, those who were being saved, are now in Samaria preaching the word of God. And Philip breaks out and has an amazing revival with signs and wonders. How did he do that? He got focused, he got grounded in the word of God. And we need the word of God to instruct us for what we have as believers. I'm convinced most of us know what we have through head knowledge, not through personal study. We've been taught, well, you have this, you have that. No, no, when was the last time you actually went into the word of God yourself and found out what you actually had as a believer, as an inheritance as a believer? This is why we have to have the word in us. We need to read the word, ingest the word. We need to chew the word, meditate upon the word. Just like that cow. That cow will eat that grass in the field, and he'll eat that grass, and he'll chew it, and he'll, he'll digest it, and a while later, he's going to bring it back up again, and he's going to begin to chew it again. It's called chewing the cud. That is, the, that, that is a perfect picture of biblical meditation when we read the word over and over and over, and we, get, we just sit there and begin to chew on it. Guys, it's, it's okay to read a passage for 30 days, 60 days, if you're chewing on it. You know, I used to struggle out, well, I didn't read enough of the Bible tonight, or I didn't read enough books of the Bible. I ain't been in the Old Testament, I don't know when. I've been in the epistles for I don't know how long. And I've been going through Ephesians and Galatians and Timothy just over and over and over. And I feel like I'm not, that's, that's not good, Paul. But that's okay. I'm, do, I'm chewing the cud of the scriptures because it's all God. If it's Ephesians or if it's Leviticus, God help us. I don't know why Leviticus made the cut. I, I just, I'm going to be honest. Leviticus, why did you make the cut? That's right, Nova. Amen. She's like, that's right. But we see this teaching. Even Jesus, Acts 1.1, the first account I composed, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So here's what I want to suggest. Biblical community is like a greenhouse. What, what, what is a greenhouse? A greenhouse is a, a, a building you build that allows you to grow plants that you normally couldn't grow because of the climate. Well, I believe that God wants to create a spiritual greenhouse where we develop and raise up and release people to do the things they're called to do. And listen, um, while a greenhouse is a controlled environment, I have no desire to control you. I don't need to control you. You know why? Because you have a fruit of the Spirit called self-control. I do a good enough to control myself. 
and that little dude right there. So I don't want to fool with controlling 24 of the people today. So this house will never be a house of control. Where are you at? Why ain't you in church today? So dude, don't, don't throw that. But we want to make this spiritual greenhouse where people can be equipped and do the stuff Jesus did. I'm telling you, that is what's going to change our region. When people are empowered to do the stuff he did. Guys. One last scripture and we'll, we'll close it down for today. Revelation 22, don't, Revelation 22, then he showed me a river of the, then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and the Lamb in the middle of the street. On either side of the river was a tree of life, having, bearing 12 kind of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. See, the atmosphere of the kingdom is always printed with life. The atmosphere of the kingdom is always printed with life. I think one of the dumbest teachings in the church today is seasons. Well, are you in a spiritual season? Are you in a summer season now? Or are you in a winter season right now? Guys, that's stupid. That, that is stupidity. Because you're not a plant. You're a believer who's living from another kingdom. And we, by teaching that, we tell people, you'll have a good season one day, and then one day you're going to be kind of where he's going to cut you back, and you're going to be just drying up about to die. But then spring is coming, you're going you're gonna to bud again, and you're going to produce fruit, and it's going to happen again. And we create these stupid cycles in the church. That tree bears fruit every month. That scripture is my example, not my life. Hey guys, I say, this, I, I say this a thousand times, guys. We have to quit making our life superior to what the book says. And most times we make our life superior to what the book says. How about in this year we make the book superior to what my life says? So in other words, when things don't look so good, what does the book say? I'm going to partner with what he said because his word is good. 